The Czech Republic is, like most European countries, quite egalitarian, very much humanist, and certainly by the standards of countries like the United States, quite liberal. When it comes to gender equality, this country has been at the forefront for a while. Women got the right to vote on February 29th, 1920, a few months ahead of the United States, and today, at least on the surface, it seems like women and men are pretty equal. However, that's not always the case. There are a number of startling statistics about such touchy topics as sexual harassment, domestic abuse, and even rape in this country. To talk with me about that today, I have Eva Mikhalkova, project manager at the NGO ProFem. Thank you for talking to me today, Eva. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you, and thank you everybody out there for listening. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast, and if you like what we do, donate via our Buy Me A Coffee page. A city is much more than just a collection of buildings. It's a location, it's a history, it's a culture, its ideas and ideals, and a city is also, most importantly, the people in it. This is Prague Times, the podcast that takes a look at the city of Prague in the Czech Republic. With more than a thousand years of history, there's a lot to talk about. We'll talk about the past of Prague, but we'll also talk about the city as it is today, future plans for the city, and much more. It's Prague then, Prague now, and Prague later. And this is Prague Times. So, Eva, Profem, that seems like a pretty obvious uh, name for a place. It's for women. Uh, what is it? Tell me something about the organization. So, um, in full name, it's Profem, the Center for Victims of uh, Domestic and Sexual Violence. And uh, although uh, most of our clients uh, are women, uh, also men, uh, victims of domestic or sexual violence can contact us. Mm. But it's true that t- there are not that many uh, men clients we have per year. It's just few individuals. And so in Profem, as it's in the name, we focus on the topics of domestic and sexual violence. It was not always that uh, focus. When we started around 26, 27 years back, we were more general NGO, we were providing counseling and consultation for new NGOs uh, in the Czech Republic. Since, you know, during the uh, communist regime, there were not really NGOs. So uh, we started as a, as this counseling ce- center and we were uh, transferring the um, uh, foreign know-how, how to, you know, start an NGO, how to focus on uh, civic society and stuff like that. But soon enough, and, and it's important to say that we were um, from the very beginning focused on uh, women's issues, feminist issues. And soon enough, we uh, saw that we really need to focus on the topic of gender-based violence and violence against women because we saw it as really important and really prevalent um, issue at that time. But still, it's very prevalent. Yeah, for sure. So I heard you use the word feminist, a word in California, where I'm from, that 
seems to have a different meaning than it does here. Obviously, a feminist is a feminist. But in this culture and in this place, when I tell people I'm a feminist, I get a rather surprising reaction sometimes. How can you be against men? And I try and explain, I know a feminist just says men and women should be treated the same under the law, that they should have the same opportunities, they should be paid the same. That's pretty much it, really. That's all you need to be to be a feminist is you just need to believe those things. But in this culture, it seems like the word feminist triggers in most people's minds or in a lot of people's minds this idea of rabid anti-male crazy feminazis who are trying to completely change the way that society is run and maybe even do away with men altogether which is clearly not the case yeah you are right um unfortunately for uh, many people or at least for some people, this word, the feminist, has a negative uh, connotation, unfortunately. And me personally, I think that there are, let's say, two main reasons why. Mm. I think one of them is the historical context. As opposed to Western countries, as opposed to USA, we didn't have or we, we, we don't have that long um, history of feminist movement. Obviously, I don't want to say that we don't have any history because there were uh, several very important female figures in the past. But I don't think we can talk about like the movement movement, especially during the communist regime. Mm. Uh, maybe we can talk about the movement in the period of the First Republic, but I don't think that the feminist movement was that active, or perhaps there were some individuals during the communist time, but I don't think we can talk about the movement. So I think that as a Czech Republic, we are only starting, or we had started just a few decades back Mm. to cultivate this discussion, or to even lead this discussion about what feminism is, what uh, feminists are, what feminists want. Personally, I believe that this needs some time. I hope that it will more get time. Some more time, yeah. <laughs> I hope that it will get better when we talk about it more. But also, I don't think um, that this is enough because you we can see uh, very strong uh, conservative uh, influences from some of the conservative groups, mm. which tries to persuade you that. Yeah, feminist or feminism or gender has some specific connotation and definition. And so I don't think that we have to only hope that it will get better in future, but I think that we have to actively fight for it, actively uh, work on the, you know, like decent discussion about what feminism means, what feminist wants, and just, yeah, try to talk about it. It's almost like there's a cultural inertia here where uh, it's not going to change on its own because it honestly requires men to do most of the changing and they have no incentive to change. Why would they? Yeah, exactly. I think that nothing is going to change by itself. So we have to be very, very active. You know, it's interesting though, because communism, for all of its ills and all of its problems, it seemed to me like it was rather egalitarian, at least when it came to women in the workforce. Women were scientists way before, say, in America or Britain, uh, even in the Soviet Union. Women were put in positions of authority, not political authority, but in the workplace and in the sciences for sure. And so it's interesting that it's almost like there were two layers going on, the public professional layer and then the at-home 
home layer. Yeah, exactly. I think precisely that this is the case, that there are two layers, uh, because you can see that some of the improvements which were introduced during the communist regime were or still are very pro-women, as for example, the parental leave. This thing is very, like, let's say modern or it's very pro-women, you know, like uh, since the communist regime, uh, women in the Czech Republic are allowed to take really, really long uh, parental leave uh, comparing to other, for example, Western or uh, countries or US. And, <laughs> well, that's for sure. And and I think this is a great thing. And you might call it a feminist improvement, which was introduced during the communist regime. But this is not to say that the communist regime was inherently feminist, because mm-hmm. at the same time, you can see for example, the issues as um, domestic violence or sexual violence or sexual harassment at the workplace is very, very common. Mm. They were not uh, talked about. They were very normalized. Like really the, the harassment at the, um, at the workplaces was something which you had to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's really a little bit ambivalent. Like there are some things which are great um, and which were introduced r- during the communist times with, I guess, good intentions and they are really great. But we cannot really say that um, the regime was, you know, really a feminist. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there are a number of uh, layers to the way that the inequality is expressed. And yeah, we're talking about uh, there's pay gap and there's uh, perhaps not as much opportunity for women, more here than in some other countries for sure. But when we're really talking about this stuff, we're talking about the day-to-day interactions between men and women. And sadly, a lot of times these, let's call them traditional attitudes towards male and female relations and roles results in what I think any modern person has to term harassment. Uh, You at Profam recently did a study on uh, harassment or harassment, if that's how you prefer to say it, in this country. And the numbers were surprising. Recently, we did a representative study or representative research uh, focusing on the topic of sexual harassment, but Mm. also on sexual violence. Mm. And so the results are, as you said, really shocking. In the research, uh, more than uh, 50% of women answered that they had experienced one of the forms of sexual violence or sexual harassment during her life. And uh, what's perhaps even more shocking is that most of the women experienced more uh, types of sexual harassment or sexual violence, meaning that they didn't experience only, I don't know, unwanted kissing, but they also experienced second or third ah. form of violence or, uh-huh. or harassment too. So we didn't have space to ask in this study or in this research if those incidents were from the same uh, perpetrators, from the same person or not. Mm. Um, we want to um, do another um, research uh, focusing on that on that soon. So we don't know that if it was from the same person or mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. But still, there it is. It is also like very 
interesting or shocking information that most of the women uh, experience more of the forms of hmm. of such uh, violence or harassment during her life. Right. And what what are those uh, different forms? So we asked about um, yeah, as I mentioned, uh, unwanted uh, touching, unwanted kissing, uh, but also we asked about. Um, uh, rape or uh, forcing to uncomfortable sexual practices. Mm-hmm. Um, we asked about um, uh, receiving uh, unsolicited videos or photos with, right. you know, like erotic or sexualized content. Uh, we also asked about uh, the experience of uh, sexual um, harassment or violence uh, at the public spaces. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that someone, I don't know, for example, masturbated uh, um, in front of the, the person. Right. Uh, I, I saw something just the other day that said uh, 25% of women who say that they've suffered some form, at least one form of harassment, 25% of those women say that they have seen a guy just masturbating in front of them, which I know sounds funny. And yet it's not funny if you're on the receiving end of it, for sure. Totally. It's not funny at all and but sadly um, very often some of these other forms of sexual violence or harassment uh, are perceived by the, by the Czech society as not that serious you know right. like we have rape which is yeah obviously serious but when we talk about oh you received some um, unwanted erotic photos from from a guy on chat or someone masturbated in front of you uh, during your your way to work it's sometimes perceived as not that personal, not that difficult for, for the person. I guess because it's not like the direct assault, you know, no one, no one touches you and, or, right. or, or intrudes your uh, intimate space. But obviously, even those forms of sexual harassment or sexual violence can have really vast and really difficult impacts on the person's life. And we cannot just say, oh, okay, that's fine. You just received some picture. It's also... You didn't get touched. What's your problem? Exactly. Exactly. Also, also these forms of um, harassment or violence are very uncomfortable they mm-hmm. make you scared they make makes you think that you did something wrong like why why did this happen to you right did i did i do something to encourage this exactly yeah yeah or they just violates your you know feeling of safety like mm-hmm. when you imagine that someone masturbates in front of you on on your daily way to your work or 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 school this is a serious or to uh, your it, doctor to find out gosh do i have cancer I don't need this today. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And even those forms are really intrusion of your intimate personal space and yeah. your body autonomy. One of my jobs is I'm an English teacher. And many years ago, a very good friend of mine, who's a female, American female teacher, we were teaching at Dukovani, the nuclear power plant. One of the students who was an employee at the plant was showing her photographs from his recent holiday. He'd gone to, I think, Greece or something. And in the middle of the stack of pictures, he had included a few ones of him lying naked on the beach. And then we just didn't really know what to do. So I finally had to have a conversation with him. And he really seemed surprised 
when, especially because I was telling him as a man, dude, you can't do that. I think this kind of thing still goes on. Obviously, with the digital age, people just emailing them, it's easier. Yeah, and I think that this story really greatly shows how the Czech society, or perhaps also other societies, but right. but we are now talking All about... All society! <laughs> yeah, yeah. How they normalize uh, this sexual harassment and sexual violence and in general rape culture. Mm. As you said, like you confronted the guy and he said, oh, I didn't know it's something weird. Um, and it goes back to the to, to the discussion, like what's normal, what, where are, where are the boundaries, what is actually sexual harassment, what is mm-hmm. what is sexual violence. Mm-hmm. I think that this is also very important to open this discussion in the Czech Republic and in um, in in the Czech society because you will find out that many people don't perceive the specific um, situation as harassment or as violence. Mm-hmm. Perhaps when you talk about the rape, uh, most of the people will tell you, yeah, that's not okay. It would be interesting to ask if that it's okay in a partnership, in a marriage. I think that mm. when touching that, we will see also some interesting uh, results out of this discussion. But when you ask people, like, is it okay to, to show, um, you know, your naked pictures to a random girl or is it okay to touch your colleague? Some people will definitely question if this is a harassment or, or, or not. The argument uh, that you'll hear is like, oh my God, what's the big deal? So I touched her, so what? Yeah. But the fact is, men, if you didn't do it, it wouldn't happen. If you didn't touch your female colleagues, there would be no conversation about is it or is it not okay because it just wouldn't be a topic any longer. And uh, and this normalization of like, well, it's just, it's just guys being guys, mm. but do guys have to be like this? I, I'm not like that. Am I weird? Yeah, no, <laughs> definitely are not weird. Uh, there are two things worth mentioning regarding this uh, issue. One of that, I feel that the discussion shouldn't stop after calling the the guy out, you know, and just mm. like saying, yeah, that's a big deal uh, when you, you know, show your photos to a random girl or touch her. And I, I really, truly think that many of the guys actually think that this is normal. As we mm. go back into the discussion when I mentioned that, Many people, uh, even like really politicians or celebrities or, you know, the idols really normalize this this rape culture or, or, or the culture of sexual harassment in the Czech Republic. So I think that we what sometimes really work is to really show the impacts of such behavior on the victims or on the survivors or on the person uh, involved. Mm. So when you talk to to the guys and you tell them, yeah, it's a big deal because you are doing this and this, like it, it leads to um, very often there are uh, very serious and long-term effects of such behavior on mm. emotional state, on psychological state, even on physical state of, of that uh, person, of the victim or, or a survivor. When you talk about these specifics, Sometimes it really helps because sometimes it um, we really need need to show that the impact of uh, sexual harassment and sexual violence on victims is really really vast and mm. very serious. You know, they did uh, an experiment in London not that long ago where they had a woman walking down the street, basically harassing men. Hey, nice ass. Hey, why don't you smile? What's wrong with you? Are you gay? Things like this, right? 
And then they went and interviewed the men afterwards. And the men all said, almost all of them said, well, it was very flattering. It kind of was the highlight of my day. It was the nicest thing that's happened to me in over a month because men and women have different attitudes towards this. It also didn't help that they, they use an objectively very attractive woman. And I think therein lies one of the issues is that all men seem to think that all of us are attractive to women because we're men. But the fact is, you're not, guys. <laughs> you're just not. In fact, women are way choosier than men are because they approach the whole thing differently as they should because it's a different physical act for them. So to do that experiment correctly, and I hate to say this, they should have used an objectively unattractive person. And if they had done that, I don't know that the men would have had the reactions that they had. Yeah, I'm also wondering if the, what the reaction would be because I think that what this experiment is also missing is the context and the, the history. You know that mm. we as like women, like, and you can ask um, and or our listeners, I really encourage them uh, to ask their female friends about their experience with sexual violence or sexual harassment. Mm -hmm. And you will find out that most of your female friends, I'm guaranteeing you that they will have some sort of uh, experience with such behavior. Perhaps Perhaps not all the experiences and not all the situations are uh, similarly, I don't know, let's say bad or, or um, perceived the same, but then also you always remember the past experiences you always you always remember what could happen like you know we are also as women we are also teach to uh, not go alone in a park during the night if we do like we should take our keys with ourselves and stuff like that so we are also kind of encouraged to you know fear in the public spaces right. yeah yeah so I think that the ex experiment um, kind of misses the context. In Prague, a lot of the sexual harassment happens on public transportation, I think because it's somewhat anonymous and it can be something as minor as men standing too close or even just staring at a woman, which is inherently creepy, by the way, uh, up to touching, uh, up to, hey, look, here's my penis or... I suppose even maybe, look, pictures of myself naked on my phone. What's the advice? What should a woman do if she finds herself, even if it's something quote unquote minor, a guy's just in a half empty tram standing right next to her. What, what should she do? I think that it really depends on the situation. Uh, if you feel you can call the man out, do that. But mm -hmm. I would advise rather to check the situation are you like alone in the in the train or in the in the car or whatever is there someone else you can go to um, are you next to the in the car where the driver is or are or are you in the last car so I would really advise to check the situation and really focus on your security in that situation because we never know where the situation go uh, can go right um, you can always call the police, but... Will they do anything? 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> Especially for this. Yeah, this yeah. guy was standing too close to me on the tram. Yeah. But what is the good thing regarding the um, uh, preventing the, the sexual harassment in the public transportation or regarding this issue is that the government office actually is focusing on that topic uh, ah. recently. Ah. They asked for the research regarding this topic by the research ag- agency. So they have really, I, I think that you mentioned even some of the data from their study mm-hmm. and why, why I am mentioning this is because they have the data now uh, they know how the, how the situation is and I hope they are planning to do something with that mm-hmm. because they also asked their respondents um, about the um, what they would use as a solution of the situation or what they would uh, do it in the situation or what they feel that would help. And uh, some of the answers are really helpful. I think like, um, for example, some emergency buttons or, Mm. um, you know, emergency signals were mentioned or uh, general general security around the um, train station and tram mm-hmm. stations regarding the lights, the, bu- the bushes around and stuff like that mm-hmm. were mentioned as something which can prevent such incidents. So I hope that in this topic we'll see hopefully soon some improvements mm-hmm. regarding ensuring the safety of women in the public transportation. Mm. Uh, you know, in Germany, it's interesting to see many of the public car parks, parking lots, have near the entrance spaces designated for women only. And there are some German men, of course, who go, well, that's not fair, but I think we all can see why we would have that. And and do you think that there's any chance of something like that getting implemented here? It would be great, but let's let's see what, what we do. Uh, you can see some similar thing in Czech trains, there is this coupe for women only, but you can see also some of the reactions of like some of the men really like, you know, go in and interrupt yeah. this space. And also this coupe is not available in all of the cars, which is also th- something which is not that useful because, you know, like you are catching the train like uh, in the last minutes and then you will go through whole... Right. Whole Where is that women's only section? Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So and when we were uh, touching the the subject of sexual harassment, uh, you mentioned that most of that happens in the um, public transportation. Mm. I'm not that sure because I don't have the comparison of data with Mm. me right now. But it's really important to say that women also experience sexual harassment at work, uh, at universities but also from their relatives. When we check the data generally on sexual violence, yeah, including some of the forms of sexual harassment, but, but more uh, about sexual violence, we can see that most of the perpetrators are someone um, who the victim or survivor knows. And mm. I feel it's important to um, mention this because there is this myth uh, still prevailing in the Czech society that, you know, this uh, perpetrator of sexual violence or rape is uh, someone unknown, some stranger mm-hmm. in the park during the night. But we know from the data and also from, uh, for example, our clients in Profem that uh, mostly the perpetrator is, is someone known. Very often it's a partner, a husband. Mm-hmm a boyfriend, uh, but also another family member, like uh, an uncle, a grandpa, 
or someone else uh, you know and who you trust. Right, a friend or a friend of the family or something. It's over half of these incidents, whether they're harassment or something even more physically violent, occur from people who are known to the victim. Yeah, and I think that it's even more than half. I think it's like around 70-80%. Like really mm-hmm. the, the risk that you would be harassed or assaulted by someone you don't know at all is it's very limited very very minimal that's very shocking and also like when we talk about um, for example the sexual abuse of children that's mm. also something which is the very common that the perpetrator is a family member or someone the child trusts mm-hmm. for example a, t- a teacher a priest a mm-hmm. scout leader mm-hmm. and stuff like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is which is like really really shocking that it's someone who should take care of the children right yeah i got we got to talk about easter in this country <laughs> we got to talk about velikonotsa uh, for those that don't know the easter tradition here is that men get these switches uh, a number of reeds that are woven together into a kind of a whip stick and they go around hitting women on their butts in exchange for alcohol which is usually hard alcohol and they go from house to house to house doing this by the time 11 o'clock in the morning comes around they're not just doing a tap they're really going to town on these ladies maybe not so much here in prague but in other places i used to live in brno all the women i knew were like it's ridiculous like these guys come in and they essentially beat these women and then are rewarded with alcohol which further reduces their inhibitions so by the time 12 noon comes around Namisti Svobodi in Brno is just, or at least back in the day, it was just filled with very, very drunk men trying to fight each other, but being unsuccessful because they were so succumbing to alcohol poisoning and no women on the streets. Every woman I know said they didn't like it. Doesn't this kind of perpetrate this normalization of this kind of a culture like hey you know what's the big deal it's just easter it's traditional yeah i'm very glad that you are mentioning that because i think that precisely this is one of the great examples how certain things traditions behaviors Mm. in in a czech society really promotes the rape culture and the, the culture of sexual harassment And I hate it too. I remember that when I was old enough to tell my parents that I'm not going to do this, I did. I, I like left the house. I went, I don't know, to the mountains, you know, just <laughs> did my, my own program. <laughs> And uh, I think what is also disturbing is that, or at least um, in Moravia, uh, like in the region where I grew up, is that very small boys are learned to do that as well. Like you mentioned that um, the treat is an alcohol, but for uh, children, like uh, boys, small boys, the treat is a chocolate. Right. So, so you as a young girl are supposed to, you know, stand there, get beaten uh, and give them chocolate or alcohol like yeah. as a treat. And it's really terrible. Uh, also in Moravia or in my region, it's common uh, that the boys will throw you in the shower. Uh, under or the, the river. Or the river under yeah. the cold water. Yeah. It's, it's really terrible. And I hope that soon 
it either that some people will really stop uh, celebrating the Eastern like that because it's just worst. Yeah, it's 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 not cool. And I understand the tradition comes from it used to be that the boys would chase the girls with a stick. I think we can all see this as a fertility symbol. They would touch the girls, touch the girls on the bottom with their beribboned stick. The girls would turn around and give them an egg. This is an old pagan ritual. And in a lot of villages, and apparently in some of the smaller villages they still do this, this would go on from, say, 10 to noon. At noon, the girls would be given the stick and have an opportunity to steal back some of those eggs. That has turned into, let's beat women in exchange for alcohol once a year, and if the women don't like it, then they can't go out, or they have to flee to the mountains. Yeah, yeah. So, and also I have one uh, one story regarding the when you mentioned the, the exchange of the roles. We tried that with my uh, friends, with my like, female female friends when we were small. I don't know, age ten or twelve or twelve. And so we really tried to go mm. around the village and to, to beat the boys after the noon. <laughs> but we were not allowed. Like the parents uh, wa- w- didn't like parents didn't let us in. Right. Because you, you know, can't beat my child. Exactly. You just beat you. Exactly. <laughs> What are you a monster? <laughs> and just one last last thing regarding the the eastern it's i think that you mentioned the the tradition and i think this is also a great example how many like really like chauvinist rules or traditions or you know conservative things are um still allowed in czech republic and still justified just because they are like traditional mm-hmm. and this is also something which is really difficult to fight because you know it's a tradition like right hey guess what slavery used to be a tradition we nobody's uh, really yeah. plumping for that one anymore hey you know though uh, as uh, a friend of mine many years ago in brno in moravia pointed out it could be worse in slovakia they don't do the beating so much as actually just throwing them in the river In Hungary, they pour perfume all over the woman, as if to say, Jezebel, be gone. And in Romania, they throw a permanent dye made of berries in the woman's face, which takes days and weeks to finally wear off. And if that doesn't sound misogynist, I just don't know what does. Yeah, it's the worst. Uh, but, the, but the perfume thing is also quite common in my region. I don't know if mm. in like here around Prague or Central Bohemian, but but in in the Moravian. I'd love to see. I'd love to see some Prague guy try and do that to some of the non-Czech women I know here. That you get punched so fast, it wouldn't even be funny. So, kind of going up the um, the severity scale. Uh, domestic abuse is also something that Profem is very, very much focused on. And again, it's one of those, it's literally behind closed doors, right? Uh, it's not happening. I mean, I see it. I live on a street with pubs and I see, you know, two o'clock in the morning, uh, a couple of uh, incidents where uh, men and women are pushing each other and so on. But you don't really see it out here. But back there, behind closed doors, when no one else is looking. Apparently, it's hard to get the numbers. Estimates run from anywhere from 16 to 33% of people, men and women, in this country say they have suffered domestic abuse 
on more than one occasion, at least sometime during their lives. Is alcohol a factor in this? Is it something else? Because Czechs are not fighters. I'm not saying that they don't fight, but you know what I mean? It's not, there's not this culture, this machismo culture that you might get in some other countries where it's like, yeah, let's go out and fight. Czechs don't do that. Yeah, that's a good question. I think that, yeah, obviously alcohol mm, sometimes plays a role, but we cannot say that the alcohol is always the, the reason. I, I don't know, actually, like, because I also don't feel that the, the, the Czechs are fighters, but on the other hand, we see the data, we, we see, like, what our clients comes with, like, what the mm-hmm. stories are, and really like sometimes the the um, the violence is very brutal like it's mm. like you would you would think that um nowadays it's more like in the softer forms or psychological not to say that psychological violence is not brutal mm. obviously but sometimes really the the incidents are really bad and i don't know what what the causes are i think that i think that it goes back again to the fact that Czech society is quite conservative. Like you mentioned in the beginning that in some issues we are very, you know, like um, modern, but in some issues actually perhaps we are still really, really conservative. There's another thing that we foreigners, certainly uh, we Americans note coming here is a, a, a very odd habit of a relationship, especially a marriage. Let's let's take it to the to the most extreme case. A marriage ends, but they don't get divorced. In fact, they continue to live together, still living in the same house as her ex-husband, still being expected to take care of the kids 100%, clean the house 100%, do the shopping and the cooking 100%, and the guy just continues to live as if they're married, and yet they're not. What is going on with that? Is it just a financial thing? What is it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if it is the economical reasons or perhaps the, um, the fear about the um, uh, children care. Uh. I mean, it's also something like what we see um, with our clients that many victims of domestic violence are really not just afraid to leave, but mm. their possibilities to leave the, the, the violent relationship is very limited precisely regarding the um, economical situation. Um, also because often the perpetrators of domestic violence are very cl- clever in you know, claiming the, the, all the financial resources, mm. making sure that the woman does not have anything on her account right. or the, the account is like mutual and she doesn't have the... She doesn't have the bank card. Exactly. I'll keep your SIM card for your phone. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that this might be one of the reasons. And second reason also I, I will uh, connect that to our clients is this whole problem of children care meaning like who will who and to what uh, extent will take care of children after the divorce Mm -hmm. and this is also very something very very like I perceive very problematic in the Czech Republic because the uh, laws of the institution in the Czech Republic believes that both parents have their parental rights and I agree with that but it can be very, very problematic when we talk about domestic violence situation. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like common, like for most of our clients, that uh, the violence almost always continues after the woman um, leaves the relationship or after she gets divorced, mm-hmm. precisely because there are children. 
and often the courts decide, decides that uh, both parents take care of the children. Like full time? Well, it depends, but mostly the courts wants that the, that the parents mm-hmm. switch the regime. So, for mm-hmm. example, one week it's the, it's the woman who takes care of the children mm-hmm. and then she uh, takes the children, gives them to the uh, ex-husband and he takes care of another week sure, or, sure. or so. Right. And while I think this could work after the divorce of relationship where domestic violence was not present, it almost never works in the situation of domestic violence right, because right. you are dealing with the person who is manipulative, who wants to right. hurt you. Mm. And, and we see it like every day from our clients that uh, the ex-husband almost always does anything to hurt the woman and usually uh, he uses the children as hostages in this situation. Sure, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're still tethered to, to your abuser. So one of the reasons I reached out to you is I saw an article that ProFem had just started uh, a hotline. It's in Czech right now. The goal is eventually also in English. Right now it's in Czech for victims of domestic abuse and harassment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let me me specify that. So the new hotline, or we call it InfoLine, uh, you mentioned, is specifically uh, for the victims or survivors of sexual um, abuse, sexual violence, sexual harassment, because we see that there isn't such um, service available in the Czech Republic yet. Mm. Um, There are other lines for like victims, for example, of um, general um, crimes, but not uh, specified on the on the sexual harassment, sexual violence, Mm. sexual abuse. So that's that's the, that's the new info line. It's um, we have plans to in future to turn it to hotline, meaning that it would be available 24/7. For now, uh, our resources on that are limited, so we provide this info line only four hours per week. Our um, priority is to enhance it in in the future, mm-hmm. and. Um, that's that's one of the many actually services we provide. We also uh, for the victims of domestic violence, we are also on the phone each day or each working day from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. So uh, you can contact us uh, by phone. But um, regarding the English speaking uh, clients, I would advise rather the email contact Mm -hmm. and then uh, perhaps a personal contact because um, regarding the phone lines we can uh, we cannot always ensure that all of our social workers um, speak fluent English so it would be better to you know write an email first and then either write your questions via email in on which we uh, will reply or ask for a personal counseling via this email uh, so we will uh, provide you with the time and and a date so and regarding the counseling we provide a social counseling maybe i will just briefly like say what does it mean in the czech republic or in the czech context um it it means that we will talk with the educated um, uh, social worker who will you know like map the situation with you ask about your needs um, ask about what what the situation is uh, what your plan is and will help you to 
you know, get known what to do next. Uh, we'll help you to get uh, the information about our other services you, which you might need or want to use. And uh, the social worker will also map the, um, the further steps with you mm-hmm. uh, regarding the improving of your situation, which can mean a lot of things like safety or encomp- accompanying you to some institution, uh, providing you with um, the contact to our lawyer who can tell you like, I don't know how to fill a criminal report, Mm -hmm. what will you encounter when you go to police and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And next to that, we also provide uh, psychological help in the form of individual psychotherapy. And recently, quite recently, we've also started um, group uh, psychotherapy for victims of uh, or survivors of sexual violence, either in childhood or uh, in adulthood. And it's also something I want to stress out because this service is also quite unique in the in this region or in the Czech Republic because. In, in Prague, there are no um, group therapies uh, mm. focusing on this topic. There are self-help groups, but uh, but it's a little bit. You're still still all alone then. Uh, and what's the what's the cost uh, to someone who needs uh, some of these services? Most of our services are for free, like mm. social counseling, um, legal counseling is for free. Obviously, when you call our phone line, you pay the cost of the normal of the normal phone line it's not free yet but the other forms are for free so you don't pay for the social counseling or legal counseling and also the group therapies are for free and regarding the individual psychotherapy and then also another service we provide if there is a need and that is the um, uh, legal representation at court so these two services are provided usually with the co-financing by the by the client it very much depends on the situation like if you don't have any resource resources at all we'll obviously you know do our best to provide you with the services for free uh, but we want at least a little uh, contribution from the um, clients regarding these two services because we found out that it kind of increases their motivation to really you know sure, sure, use sure. the service and work on their improvement of the, of the situation. What if someone is unable, let's say they're in that situation where the husband has absolute control over the money, they just don't have access to any money. What do they do? Are they just out of luck? No, definitely not. They they should as well contact us and mm. we'll find a way. Like there, mm. is, there is a way in which we can provide uh, also a psychotherapy and uh, um, representation, legal representation at, mm. at court uh, for free because we all of our services are important uh, to improve the situation mm. of the victims or survivors. But uh, we, we know that the um, uh, psychotherapy and legal representation, when you like try to find it in like a normal like in the in the in the market when you try to go to a private psychotherapist or a private lawyer you pay a lot so yeah but this this is not our case i mean when we when we talk about the contribution we talk about small amounts we don't we don't talk about you know the huge huge amounts you're not you're not trying to bankrupt people here yeah no definitely what if it's not happening to like me for example it's not happening to me but maybe i know someone who I suspect is in a situation, or whether it's at work or it's at home or uh, whatever the situation is, can other people reach out on behalf of a victim or potential victim? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you're mentioning it. 
Also, the other people from the surrounding of the of the victim can contact us, but I would not say it's on behalf. Um, you can, if you if you know or if you s- suspect that something like that is happening to your, as you said, colleague, friend, mm. your family member, you are very welcome to contact us and talk about how does that makes you feel. What can you do to um, support your uh, close one? How can you react? Um, how can you, I don't know, provide them with the information or, you know, like contact them like uh, securely and talk about the situation. But it's very important to say that um, we can help only to people who wants to get help. Sure, yeah. So so we, we will provide you definitely with the information like, yeah, you can use, I don't know, some leaflets or you can just ask her how she is. You know, like we can uh, provide you with the information like what, um, I don't know, again, what, how, how can you uh, file a criminal uh, report? We can provide you with an information whether you have to report the, um, the, the situation even from your side because there are, you know, crimes which you have the obligation to, to report or, or to stop if you know they are happening but again we always also uh, try to uh, explain to these closed ones or to to these relatives that the person has to contact us ourselves mm-hmm. ourselves so we are able to help And finally, uh, what if someone out there is not in this situation and doesn't know someone who is or may be in a situation, but still is an ally and wants to help? What can they do to be of assistance? Great. I, I'm also glad that you asked that. So we uh, work regularly with volunteers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to say that um, most of the work in ProFem for volunteers is rather the background work. We don't use the volunteers for the direct work, work with the victims or survivors, mm-hmm. precisely because the topic is very, very sensitive. Mm-hmm. But there are many other things we are doing and um, we would be glad to, to get help with that. Mm-hmm. Like we um, often do uh, public events such as conferences, you mm-hmm. know, roundtables and stuff. So uh, we also welcome the help with that or with our social media, mm-hmm. with our correction of the English articles for our English uh, part of the website and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So there is a work for volunteers, but just to clarify that um, it's not a direct work with mm. with the victims or or uh, survivors right sure i mean that that makes sense <laughs> no offense but uh hey random person who came in off the street who says you want to help we don't know you yeah exactly and as i said um, our clients are coming with really sensitive stories and really difficult topics so we are very protective of them and also of, mm. of the, our quality of our work sure absolutely And I assume men are also welcome to help. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) We could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. Uh, Thank you very, very much for talking to me today. I think this is a topic that does not get discussed uh, in public forums very often. And uh, by gum, it should. Uh, I'd like to thank Eva Mikalkova, who is project manager at ProFem, for talking to me today. Thank you very much. Thank you as well. Uh, thank you that you invited me. Uh, don't forget to, to check the episode notes for links to ProFam as well as other organizations such as the White Circle of Safety and Consent.cz and other things that we've talked about in here as well as some statistics and reports.
Okay, I'd like to thank uh, Eva again for speaking to me today, and I'd like to thank all of you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Prague Times. If you liked this episode, be sure to like it or share it and tell your friends. Check us out on all of our social media platforms for extra goodies as well. Until next time, this has been Prague Times. <laughs>